0: Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee, and I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, you know who I'm talking about, my pal Odell, <laughs> calling in, I have to say, as always, from Charm City, aka Baltimore, right. Maryland. I don't think everyone probably knows that.
1: Well, hopefully they know by now, yeah. Uh, You know, Baltimore is a a unique kind of city, which I love very, very much. So uh, it's always awesome calling in from here.
0: Plus, everybody has the Google machine, right? So if they don't know what Charm City is, they can always Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because our fans are smart enough to do that.
1: They are, I hope
0: no i i can count on them to do that. <laughs> so absolutely amazing day out here in tennessee beautiful picture perfect day i am in good spirits got some clothes in the mail today because of course out here in tennessee there's no place i can shop to my liking so i am in gotcha. the uh, best of moods how about you my friend
1: doing good man doing good a uh, little crazy around the way today uh I'm leaving work. It took a little longer to get home than I wanted it to, but, you know, the weather's, like, like you said, the weather's great here. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's just a gorgeous day, man. Can't complain.
0: Gorgeous days. Are you a crank the windows down and blast the music type of guy, or they have the windows up AC and listen to music at a reasonable old man level?
1: No, no. My kids usually tell me to turn the music down. That's how, uh, no, I'm usually, I, I, I'm, Susan and I are windows down, blasting the music, but our kids are like, can you wind the windows up, please? We want to hear the, you know, whatever they're playing or listening to. But no, if I'm by myself, all oh, the windows are down and I'm cranking. Whatever I'm right
0: cranking. on. Yeah, that's the best way. Oh, um, last night we were on our friends, Dan Harsha and Dan Alban a podcast, yes. the um, Guitar Gooers, the Southern Maryland Guitar Gooer. Southern Maryland Guitar Gooers, yeah, to be precise, And I didn't realize this. <laughs> we've been working together for four years now, and this was the first time we've ever guessed on another podcast together. We've done things separately. This is the first time someone said, hey, let's get both of you guys on, and it was pretty special.
1: It was great. It was great. It was funny because uh, the nerves are a little different. I, I feel when you're being talked to or being, you know, the ones that are the guests compared to the ones that are asking the questions. So it was like, okay, all right, how do I answer this? Or what do I, you know, so I definitely, uh, understand when we have people on, it gives you a better perspective.
0: I don't know. I'm kind of comfortable in both realms, but I'm just, you know, I can walk up to anybody. <laughs> and start. I always say I'm just as comfortable <laughs> as a country club as I am in a crack house. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Always. just like whatever. I fit in, anyways. Okay, yeah. couple editorial notes. Uh, William <laughs> Sanderson's book has come out. Yes. It came out yesterday for pre-order, so everybody can jump on um, Amazon and pre-order that. We'll be doing. we will actually be in Baltimore doing a book signing. I'll be working the Baltimore one since I'll be in Maryland, anyways. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Do man. you know? Do you know a place you're going to be at so I can spread the word around here? Because I where I live up here is nothing but authors, and actually a guy that I'm in a band with, his book, uh, he's actually doing a book tour now um, for his book, so it'd be good to spread the word. So,
0: I, We do not know yet, although I got a bunch of information from Mary England where she did her book um, signing, and she gave me a lot of indie okay. stores too, so William might actually do two different ones. We'll see. This is all cool, still cool. planning phases. Also, we are shutting down Tin Can Media and moving Musical Osmosis to its very own site. I'm scaling back to just yeah. doing the music podcast now. I'm going to focus on yeah. you know instead of doing twenty things pretty good, I just want to do one or two things really well for a change in my life. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's what down
1: less stress. Yeah, yeah. I think I, it's going to be fun. I, the last, I would say, the last year and a half, two years. It's it's like musical osmosis is just taken off so uh i think it's a really good time to uh to jump in you know full steam into that and and see where it goes man it's been great
0: strike by the irons hot man i mean this is this is the podcast that's been doing the best out of all the podcasts on the network for a consistent amount of time so I think it's time to do that thing. All right, Dee, why don't you tell us who we got coming up next week?
2: Of course. But first, I have to say, we have probably done enough podcasts to be officially recognized as experts in our field. Uh, most uh, podcasts don't uh-oh. live past the first year or even 10 episodes, and we've done hundreds of I mean, just hundreds of episodes. Between
0: all the different podcasts, yeah. we're approaching 500.
2: With tons and tons of great guests wow. and amazing fans, and we love you all. And I do want to say, uh, for the William book, get those pre-orders in. If you think you might buy it later, go ahead and pre-order it now. You'll get it delivered to your house really quick. Um, it's on Amazon. I actually just pre-ordered a book that comes out on May 7th, and I will get it within the week after it becomes um, available. So that was super-duper fast. And also, that will help Mm -hmm. to potentially boost the chances of, you know, your regular places like Barnes & Noble, you know, carrying that book which would be so cool um yeah but we have got next week we have got the women who rock episode i'm really looking forward to this we have a guest co-host miss hannah rose dexter who is super talented all on her own uh we will have graphic designer karen hazmat isn't that a great name um she most recently actually did the artwork for the new alice cooper album oh My God. And you know how
0: much I love Cooper.
2: Of course. I mean, who doesn't? Like, really? He's freaking amazing. Uh, We're also going to have musician and contortionist Katie McKell, who is the... If you saw American Horror Story Freak Show, she was the three legged contortionist doll person on all of those ads. And I was ah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was so cool. Yeah, um, that'll be like what the second contortionist I think we've had because we had Bonnie Morgan on, of course, he was in the ring and she was fantastic yeah, i just talked
0: to bonnie today actually i was texting her
2: yes she's fabulous um and then we will also have the super cool musicians alexa joan ray of Plexiglass, and that's with two x's people let me tell you um we're also gonna have beck black uh Bebe mcpherson and emily fremgen I'm glad
0: you're reading those names because that would sound like Barney from The Simpsons. I (laughs) know. I'd like, "Eh," slurring all over the fucking place. You
2: know, I think it's, I have to say, (laughs) I think it's really, really cool that we are doing a women who rock episode, and I'm excited.
0: Sunshines and rainbows D. Yeah. All right. Also next month we have our Danita <laughs> Sparks L7 interview. We'll be posting. I think May 4th we'll have that up. Yes. Um, also coming on the show is Scott Hill from. I keep wanting to say Wu Tang Clan when I when it's actually Fu Manchu, but my mouth's like for some reason three like wired. Um, Fu Manchu. We have Teresa coming on from the Nearly Deads, and Bonnie Bloomgarden from the Death Valley Girls. <laughs> So quite yep. a May coming up before we go on our hiatus and get the new site up and we start filming our documentary. All are we ready to get today's guest in here? Oh, she has been so patiently waiting. All right, today's guest is a total <laughs> punk rock badass that has contributed tons of chaotic goodness to the music scene over her long and fabulous career. From her legendary band The Nymphs, to her work with Jeff Buckley, to a beautiful bevy of rock and roll madness that has become underground folklore. The sometimes incognito, but always outspoken Inger Lori Inger, thank you for holding.
3: Hey, how are you guys?
0: We are and super gal. good. How are you doing?
3: and Y'all. Yes. <laughs> I like that you have a girl working for you. That's awesome. Heck yes. She's not
0: working for me. She's working with me. And in <laughs> fact, the show you guys couldn't are exist without for
3: us. her. Come on, let's be real here. That's true.
2: I make them sound D, good, and D, they do the legwork. Yes, it works. <laughs> D, we
1: tell we we praise D all the time. We tell D, thank God for you, because
0: mm-hmm. we would sound like poop poo if D wasn't here.
2: This is true. They recognize. I, yeah. I don't know
0: about that, but we don't have to work as hard. When she's around, oh, yeah. I know if I sound like shit, she'll make me sound pretty in post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: your crow guy is from Baltimore. That's amazing. You know, that's John Waters' hometown. Pretty cool hometown.
1: That's my, that's, yeah, that's, uh, he, uh, it's funny. Um, he's like one of my heroes. So, uh, actually, he when cares. I was uh, playing, yeah, I was, I'll never forget one night we were playing a show in a band that I was in, and he was actually there. You know, he was just sitting at the at a table uh, with a notebook, uh, drinking a beer, a, a natty bow, of course, and um, writing. And we were setting up, and I just kept looking over. I was like, that's John Waters. Oh, my gosh, that's John Waters. So I went over and, and introduced myself, and we talked for a couple minutes. That's still one of my highlights to this day.
0: <laughs> didn't he shoot part of a movie in your wife's apartment way back in the day?
1: He shot, um, it was funny, when Susan and I first started dating, she, uh, the area that uh, was at Lowdown, uh, Dirty Shame, that movie with Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, the funniest thing about that was, was I remember driving down the street and all the bushes and shrubbery were all shaped in like phallically designed shapes. So I'm like driving down this road, I'm like, oh, there's a penis. Uh, oh, there is a vagina. <laughs> oh, and I was like, is this? So I, I, so I asked my wife, well, my wife now, and I was like, what's going on? Why are all the bushes shaped?
4: She's like, oh, John Waters
1: shot uh, um, a big part of uh, that movie right here in Hamilton, Laurelville portion of uh, Baltimore. So a lot of the bars, a lot of the local dives that are right around here were in the movies, like where the big fight scenes and stuff were and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, he keeps it real, man. He, he's all about ball. Oh,
3: yeah. He's very approachable. Yeah. Yeah. I met him at a dinner party with Bruce Weber. Uh, I was dating this actor in the early 90s, and he shot news of me and Rodney, and uh, John Waters was there, and I just couldn't stop talking to him, and he was telling about all these cool stories when he was a teenager and what was cool back then to wear. And, like, when he was cool in high school coming up, it was really cool to show that you were a beatnik and you had to wear socks and flip flops, but they had to be black flip flops and black Ooh. socks. I can't even yep. imagine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> didn't that bother you? Like between your toe all day long? He's like, maybe, but that was the style. <laughs> and a, <and> a straight <laughs> shirt and hair long and greasy and pin straight.
0: Man, yep, yep, the, the history yep. that you have and the stories you must have. First, let me thank you again for calling in. I know you're extremely busy. And oh, yeah. before we dig into all the music and myth and madness, I do want to ask you before we dig into Inger lore, how you as a person are kind of dealing with this brave new like post-truth, quasi-fascist Trump Twitter Feed a million miles an hour, like reality we've all been propelled into. Like, how is that affecting your art?
3: Um, I'm trying to ignore it the best I can and live in my own little dream world, which I've been in for forever. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the way I deal with it. I just, you know, I have my core group of friends, and most of them are successful artists as well. And then a lot of them are just really normal people. My best friend I still have from kindergarten, and she's from wow. New Jersey, like I was, from New Jersey. That's awesome.
1: That is awesome. So, yep.
3: you know, but I mean, it's gotten so bad right now that I, I'm a very sensitive person, and I, I can't face it. You know, most of my friends, because um, I have a lot of friends in music, you know, most of my friends are Mexican or black. So it's just, it's horrible for me. I cringe daily you know because they're all talking about like that racist motherfucker did you hear what he did now did you hear what he said now it almost makes me like (laughs) wish I wasn't fucking white you know it's just it's you know you are what you're born and you know my friends know who I am but it's just uncomfortable like there is such a thing as white guilt and I suffer from it every day But let
0: me ask you this, because I see it go two ways. A lot of people have checked out. I used to do a political show, and Odell can tell you things got fucking crazy. My comment yeah, threads were blowing like, up every day with, like, Tart, Snowflake, traitor. Like, I was getting fucking threats and just and from people I, I grew up with stuff. were sending me, like, just insane. Does this make you more outspoken because you're always, like, in a fucking rage? Or does it just kind of make you recoil and less outspoken, because you're, like, I've checked out. I, that's why I'm focusing more on music now, because I just, yeah. my stomach can't fucking take it.
3: Well, in the beginning of the year, not this year, but last year and the year before, I had, uh, they make pinatas here in L.A. that look just like Trump. And they have their hair combed over to the side, and, like, their blonde, corn-colored hair with big blue eyes wearing this stupid suit. And that sounds can't hideous. not who it is. I know, it's terrible. (laughs) So I took a giant one and I hung it off my home. I have like a two-story place that I rent. And uh, I put a huge, what was it, like a sheet behind it. And I spray painted it um, about something about, oh, yeah, it said health care. And I crossed out the H and I wrote wealth care. And everyone loved it. And people were taking photos of it and stopping and knocking my mailbox. And That's awesome. I mean, everyone got in on the hate. But then my mom was like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, that's terrible. Someone's going to take a shotgun and blow your windows out.
4: (laughs) Because
3: believe it or not, there are (laughs) Trump people that like him. And I mean, I don't I didn't care. Let him try to blow my windows out. I live dangerously. It's all good. And and, Mm -hmm. the
0: funny thing is, 10 years ago, that would have just been typical mom worrying. But now that's a real fucking thing. Thanks to this. It's a
3: legit threat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly.
0: All right, well, let's move away from politics, um, or me and you would just talk politics the whole night, Mm, and let's talk about your wonderful world. I did a lot of research Mm -hmm. on you. I immediately fell in love. I I came on board late. I just heard of you a couple of years ago, and I sent you a friend request maybe a year ago, and I instantly fell in love with your vibe, with your radiance, with the music, and I did some research. And I found that, of course, you grew up in New Jersey. You started playing bass in The Undead, and this was with one of the cats from The Misfits, right?
4: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Misfits, yeah. And then you come out to L.A., and you formed The Nymphs, and you guys got signed to Geffen pretty quickly, right?
3: Yeah, that was just, that was very strange. We figured, oh, we'll get signed by, you know, Alternative Tentacle or something, Tiny Slash Records or so it was. We were just as shocked as everybody else. <laughs> I was shocked. It, I, it really seemed like, uh, especially since you know, punk. That was when punk was taking over, like when Sonic Youth and Nirvana were all on majors. So mm-hmm. it was just, you know, people in punk bands never really plan on having a career at it. So it was uh, was quite. Uh, it was just really surprising. Like, holy shit! You know, Geffen Records. Do they know what they signed? <laughs> like, do they know what they're in for and apparently they didn't (laughs)
0: obviously yeah (laughs) but you know i had read that you wanted to go go on an indie label so why didn't you just go on why didn't you just kind of reject the temptation to jump on the geffen and just kind of stick with we want to go on an indie label why did you guys get persuaded we we
3: literally we had a handshake deal with triple x records and luckily, after the Geffen record, I eventually did end up doing a record with Triple X. But, you know, then okay. somebody offered me a million dollars and I was 20 years old. What are you going to do? You know, like, you don't say no to a million dollars. Plus, I had a lot to prove because my parents were like, you'll be back here in six months. You can't be no musician. I don't know what you think you're doing with your life. Like, mm. we're going to pay for college, but you won't, you know, middle class family that just wants their kids to go to college. I tried to go to art school for a year, but I was like, fuck this. This is so stupid. You'd work on this beautiful drawing that looked like almost photorealistically. And then some guy would put one dot on a white canvas and the the professor would be like, oh, this is so meaningful because it's isolation. And I'm like, what? This motherfucker put one dot and got an A and I drew it perfectly and I got a fucking D? I was like, fuck these art freaks, and I was out of there. <laughs> but there's systems everywhere,
0: though. This just goes to prove that you, no matter what kind of culture, counterculture, underground, everywhere you go, there's a fucking system. And sooner or later, as that system grows, it becomes more corrupt, more ridiculous, and then it just can't, the, like they always say, the center can't hold. It just can't sustain itself. It falls yeah. under the weight yeah. of its own bullshit.
3: Unless you're a surrealist, like which I have always been since I was 14 years old. The the world just gets more and more surreal, and you have to get more surreal with it.
0: Interesting. Tell me what that's about, because I have heard the term, but I'm not familiar with the movement.
3: Surrealism? Yeah. Oh, well, Salvador Dali was a surrealistic painter. I Um, love him. Max Ernst, um, uh, Pablo Picasso. You know, it's taking what really breaking things down it it was the first punk rock movement in painting actually you can look it up after the podcast but everyone was painting in an expressionistic style and expressionism was like Monet it was where you're painting something real but you're putting a lot of brush strokes in so it was getting a little more modern and then the surrealists came in like you know, Picasso and Jewel woman with half her face smiling, half her face crying. And then there was no rules. It was, there was no rules in art. And so I kind of am a musical surrealist.
0: And they haven't found a way to commodimize that yet to kind of co-opt it. The Um, powers that be.
3: Well, I don't think they're hip to it. You know, I mean, I've never, I guess this is the first time I've ever said what I was, but you know, I, I don't like to say, Oh yeah, I'm this or I'm that, you know, um, people change you change from day to day like i'm not who i was 10 years ago and i'm not who i was 20 years ago so surrealism has all that fluctuation you can do anything be anything there are no rules it doesn't matter if your age your sex or even your level of talent it's just if you have the gut to go for it which is very much like (sighs) punk rock so
0: i sound like like i need to get on board with that holy shit yeah yeah Hey, Inger,
1: do you think that was a, 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 a reason, one of the reasons why you and Geffen butted heads?
3: Um, no, the reason me and Geffen butted heads was because my A&R guy wanted to fuck me, and he was touching me all the time, and I was telling him to stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And then uh, well, finally, like, he, he played back this weird game, like, okay, well, if you don't fuck me, your record's not coming out. So like Guns N' Roses' first record came out, their second record came out, Chili Peppers' first right. and second record came out, Jane's Addiction's first and second record came out, and we were signed at the exact same time as Jane's and Chili Peppers. Yeah. So We yeah. watched their records go, and like, we don't even have a demo yet. And I was like, Tom, when are we going to be in the studio? His name was Tom Zutat, if you saw the movie Dirt. That just came out about yep. Molly. Oh, God. yeah. They, they yep. take the piss oh, yeah. out of his character. He They fuck his girlfriend and all. That's the weird loser guy that, the, you know, Tom Zutaw from Geffen Records. That's the same guy who signed me. <laughs> and that's the guy I'm talking about.
4: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh,
3: he didn't come out looking very much very nice in that movie which i really appreciated and if i see nikki six i'll totally give him knuckles for that but um <laughs> yeah um he was just really a weird loser and so i just told him no and he was like fine i'll just keep you signed i don't drop you you won't be able to record for any other label i mean he would tell holy me holy fuck
0: like this. Gee, yeah
3: and then, oh yeah, got so much worse that makes Harvey why sounds really, like a
0: prince
3: He's a real prick. And when he started to get really frustrated, like, you know, after a year and a half of me going, nope, 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 I'm not going to fuck you. He did something that was the straw that broke the camel's back that, you know, made me do my legendary action. But, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that, but, um, I'll tell you that when I finally told, I told David Geffen and I had a meeting with him and he's like, how come we spent all this money and there's no record? Cause we were on a stipend, we were getting like fifteen hundred a week, every single person in the band for nothing, and and our rent's paid. So if your rent is paid and you got fifteen hundred, I mean, it's too much money to be having. Too young, and of course, yeah, we're
0: twenty year old, yeah, drugs.
3: yeah. <laughs> everyone, no. we were really discouraged. Dude, if I had like,
0: that money at twenty, you knew me. Well, you knew me twenty four is when I met you. <laughs> Imagine me having that much money yeah. at twenty four. I'd be fucking dead right now.
3: Oh, dude. Yeah,
0: yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> and when
3: we started, you know, some of us drank beer and some of us smoked pot. And at the end, everyone in the band was addicted to one drug or another, like real bad. <laughs> so, you know, Jeez. it was just too much, too soon. So David Geffen says to me, well, um, what's going on here? And I said, David, what's going on is every time, he's like, why isn't there a record up? I said, every time I asked Tom said that, that, he asked me to sleep with him. He goes, is that what's going on? Oh, I see. And I think he's in my corner and everything. And then he looks mm-hmm. at me and he goes, He goes. so, Inger, um, well, didn't Tom make all your dreams come true? I mean, didn't you just were a little girl in New Jersey and you wanted a, a major record label? And I was like, honestly, I never even dreamed about a major label. I did dream about an indie, but he's like, okay, well, didn't he give you a good deal i'm like yeah and he goes hasn't he taken you shopping for clothes i'm like yeah he took every member of my band shopping for clothes he goes they got you all new instruments da, da, da. and he goes would it really kill you i go wait what are you saying man are you kidding And he goes oh no i'm dead serious and he goes no would it really kill you i mean it would be over in an hour and i said dude you're telling me to fuck him i said you fuck him i said look at him Look what he looks like. And the guy said, well, you got me there.
4: <laughs> Holy but still, shit. Uh, but
3: but yeah, well, that's the thing with Death and
1: there. Records is like, oh.
3: everyone did it. And it made me think that, I mean, did every woman in the music industry put, get this put up on them? I mean, and then I've asked a few oh my of gosh. my other friends, and they have gotten a proposition like this. But mine, I think, was the worst. Like, literally... I was on hold and they said, you know, either fuck this guy or your record's not coming out. And I just said, fuck you. And I just Holy. Went.
1: It's amazing how that, when that happened, and then I, I would say like a couple years after that, it was like all, so many artists came out and were just blasting Jam Records. Like, and, and, and it was amazing oh, that.
3: Yeah. You know, one woman got a sexual uh, harassment charge and she won a million dollars at geffen records and i should have done that wow. too i should have taken it to court but i was so despondent that i had a nervous breakdown and had to move back to my parents house like i just lost it i had to leave los angeles go back to new jersey my best friend who i still best friends with will give a shout out to sue fox because we love her she was taking care of me i mean literally she i the the tour bus wound up in florida and she came with this huge smile on her face, like, running towards the tour bus. Like, look, it came true. Like, everything we talked about, because I used to tell her when I was seven years old, yeah, I'm going to be a big rock musician someday, blah, 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 blah. And I came from a really abusive home. And, I, you know, I only half believed it, but it was a nice thing to tell myself. And she was nice enough to, mm-hmm. to believe it with me or to fake believe it with me. I don't know. She backed up my dreams, which I really appreciated. So she's running towards my tour bus in Florida and I'm sitting on the steps of the tour bus and the whole band is doing a sound check. And I just I have my head in my hands and I'm just crying hysterically. And she's like, oh, honey, and I look up and she goes, it's not what you thought it was going to be, is it? And I just went, oh, and man. My oh
1: God. And he wins. And,
4: oh, just
3: then, this guy comes over. He sees me bawling like, this <laughs> is like a monkey
0: uh, paw like, tail. From the
3: bottom of my stomach, I'm bawling. And he goes, will you sign this? And he gives me a Nymph CD. And I look at him with so much hate. And I go, Wah! and I locked in loogie right on that CD and I threw it like a frisbee. I'll never forget Sue sat there and she Oh was my eyes. gosh. She goes, That wasn't very nice my her <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a nervous breakdown this guy's asking for a fucking signature. I mean, give me a break.
0: Let me talk about when you go home, back to New Jersey, because this is really interesting to me. Two facets of this. Once, when you go home back to New Jersey, do you feel defeated like L.A. chewed me up and spit me out and I'm never fucking going back to L.A.? Or did you know it was kind of a detour and you'd be back there again? No
3: way! I was never going to do music again. I was like, fuck them and fuck everybody. And they flew out okay so I'm there at my parents house and I was in my sister's room because I couldn't even go into my old room because it was too like oh god I'm 22 years old I'm in my old high school room this is too much oh, okay, I was yeah. independent, and I left when I was 17 so you know I was at 22 where most people probably are when they were 30 or something I was a real go getter right. you know so I was just like oh god damn I left when I was 17 and now I'm back here I had my own apartment at 17. So um, it was just really weird. I couldn't sleep in my own room because it reminded me too much of high school and bad times. So I was sleeping in my sister's room because she was going to college in New York. And um, okay. one day, I think it was like I, I would not leave the room. Like my dad would bring food in and I was just laying on the bed. I was totally defeated and totally depleted. I, like, couldn't get up, and, you know, he took me to a shrink because I stopped eating, and they said, oh, you know, you have treatment-resistant depression, because he took me for, like, six months, because they were afraid, like, I was going to just become, like, an anorexic. I stopped eating, so I was really getting anorexic, not because I wanted to be thin, just because I was so grossed out with life and all my efforts, and I was really crushed by How did the your
0: fiancé died around wow, the same time, too? Wow, unbelievable.
3: Today? Yes, my fiancé died a year before, oh. so... So it was just like, uh, it was I had a couple freakouts where I was in the, my parents' backyard, like screaming at the sky, "Fuck you, motherfucker you, know, you I've
1: you been there here and I'm
3: here yeah. The oh days. yeah, oh
1: yeah
3: Oh yeah, I went crazy for a while, um very, very dramatically,, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I'm sorry for my parents, but they put up with it, you know, until it was over, so um like about two months into me staying there. There's a knock on the door, and um, nobody expected a knock on the door at like two in the afternoon. And I look, I just peeked out of my sister's room, and God damn it, it was fucking Tom Zutat and Eddie Rosenblatt from Get uh. came to my parents' house, sat my parents down, and said, you know, MTV really loves the video and this, that, and the other thing, you gotta get her to just pretend to have the band together for one more week. Just one more week, and then she can quit because they're going to make a lot of money because MTV loved the Imitating Angels video. And I was like, yeah, Get yeah. them the fuck out of here! Get them out of here! That fucking guy would touch me, and you don't even know, Dad. How did you let him in the house? And I'm just screaming, and then I hear my dad walk back to the living room and go, "I guess she doesn't want to go." <laughs> it was <pretty> uh, funny. <laughs>
0: oh
3: my and I God! My the life you have
0: fucking lived. What is it? Did you- what did your dad
1: say when you when he found out that was like that was the guy that was you know, doing things to you?
3: He got him right the fuck out of the house. He got him right out. <laughs> there
1: you go. Okay, I was I just making sure it excited. was like well,
3: yeah. because, uh, well, you know they were telling him all kinds of things. They, my dad, you know, he listens to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. He was a scientist and he gotcha. was pretty yeah. much the most okay. unhip guy. Imagine an IT guy with glasses. He was just computer literate. and you know, he knows the you know, C language and uh, what is it called? Uh, Prius or no? What is the other one? Unix, Unix, and Unix. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, oh you're, yeah. You're, and, uh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's,
3: he's seriously pro,
1: smart. Pro <laughs>
3: yeah, and that's a whole other computer YouTube. language. Right. He worked at AT and T and he worked at Bell Laboratories and NASA. My dad worked in a lot of think tanks. He was very, very smart, but he was. Not hip at all. I mean, he didn't have a hip bone in his finger now. You know, it's just nothing. So we got this guy, slick dude, you know, who signed Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Edie brickell um, yeah. and a lot of bands. All his bands went platinum. So he would say shit to me when I first signed. Like, when you go platinum, I was like, Tom, you don't understand. We're not like Guns N' Roses. We are a punk band. They're just a rock and roll band. Plus, there's a girl in it. Oh, right. yeah, I know what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. He just was so arrogant. Like, when you go platinum, I mean, not when you go gold, when you go platinum. <laughs> and, like, he was just the most arrogant thing. And
4: um, I don't know.
0: My dad. So, what was, was that was time very- period like, though? I mean, with your parents seeing you on MTV as you're yeah. up in a room in a fetal position. Like, exactly. are they like, hey, maybe you should give this another fucking <laughs> shot? And this is before your AR guy shows up, just in general. Were they yeah, like, you should go back dad, and give this another shot?
4: Left,
3: well, after they left, um, they told my dad all these stories, and I think they were exaggerating. Thomas Tom Zutte was like, oh, you don't understand. Your daughter is like, like a John Lennon. And I'm sure they said the same thing about Kurt Cobain and everybody else. You know, they they were saying anything they Uh could. And my dad, of course, knew who the Beatles were. And everyone knows that the Beatles all became super wealthy. So my dad came in and sat on the edge of the bed. He's like, are you sure you want to throw this away? Are you sure you want to? And I'm like, dad, just fuck! get out of here. Don't you believe me? I mean, maybe he didn't believe me because I don't know. You know, he didn't throw Tom out right away because he's like, they came all the way this way. I mean, they must really believe in your music. I'm like, no, they spent $500,000 and they don't have a record and they're going to fucking lose that money because they can just go fuck off. You know, um, eventually I went back to finish the record, but it was really all over already. I hated him. I couldn't deal with Tom Zuteta. I just didn't want him around. It just It didn't make sense to me. It wasn't worth it. Like selling your soul and being around, whoring More yourself out to big, fat, gross record executives.
1: Amen, man. How was the Absolutely. rest? Of the, how was the rest of the band? How was the rest of the band during that time?
3: Um. What was they,
1: What was their input?
3: They wanted They wanted to keep it together, and in fact, they had us okay. that they were going to continue the Nymphs without me. And I think they tried for a couple shows, and people like were screaming for me and booed them. Or you know, it's hard. Gotcha. Like, like, I mean, that was my band, and I wrote all the songs. And if it was like, right. you know, something like, uh, 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 um. What was Glenn's defense? No doubt, you know, there's a bunch of songwriters, so they could still go on, but I was the only songwriter, and it was my whole message, so it was, it was weird, and I, I mean, more power to them for trying, maybe they could deal with the guys better, but uh, I just couldn't, you know, and then, you know, I did that stupid thing that got in every fucking magazine in the world, It's kind of embarrassing, I didn't know that, um, when I pissed on the desk, it would be such a big thing.
1: That incident, it's amazing how that like just took legs of its own and, and went into a whole nother. And, and and it's amazing how when you read the, the different stories from different artists and, and people in relation to you, and they talk about how that how they that made them feel like that was that was such an important thing to them that you did something like that.
3: Oh yeah, that's how I met Jeff Buckley. I was just in a bar and the guy's like, here's your drink, Inger. And the guy turns turns around and he's like, Inger, is your name Inger Lori? And there's this really handsome looking dude. And I'm like, yeah, why? And I knew it was Jeff Buckley, but you know, I figured he was gonna be, I love Tim Buckley, his father's music.
1: Yeah, so I was yeah.
3: like, He's gonna be like a Julian Lennon. This guy's gotta be an asshole. He's too good looking, he's gonna be a prick, right? And so I pretended <laughs> I didn't know that he was a musician. He goes, Oh, yeah. So you're in your I love the names. Blah, blah, blah. And I said something like, Oh, are you in the industry? And he goes, Oh, yeah. No, I'm in the industry. And he didn't say, I'm Jeff Buckley, lolly, because his uh, last goodbye video was in heavy rotation at the month yes. of the uh, and, um, Yeah. And so yeah. anyway, he was, um, he just said, Oh, yeah. I go, Are you a manager? He goes, Oh, no. I go, Are you in publicity? He's like, No. And then I felt like a real dick because he was very humble and I was like, totally razzing him and pretending. I didn't know who he
0: was. Oh, God. (laughs) I
3: know. And (laughs) then he's like, here's my number. What's your number? And I gave him my number. And, you know, he called me, and we just became really good friends. And, um, you know, I stayed. I was at his house watching it for him the night he drowned. Me and my boyfriend were.
1: Oh, man. That broke broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I actually
3: had a nervous breakdown that night. I had to go to Bellevue because I started, like, really freaking out. Because my dad died, the one who always supported me, died two days before Jeff Buckley died. So I was just like, it was Oh, my goodness. Well, let me
0: tell you, man. I I have been going through and kind of reading all these different articles and reading your history. It is like deciphering the X-Files. You are like a fucking urban legend in of yourself. And I'm reading all these different things. Can we clear up some of this, like what's fact and what's fiction? Sure. Because, I, I mean, I had some bullet points here. And this is just, I've got to get this off my mind and kind of find out what's real or not. Okay, the first thing <laughs> is, is, I read that you signed your record contract with Geffen in your own blood. You actually signed the contract yeah. in blood. True yeah, or not?
3: I did, because I knew they were taking our, but we all cut ourselves with in, like little paper clips, whatever was there. Pencil sharpeners, staples. We all just, you know, there was pins that you pin in the Thumbtacks. We all just got some blood, and we all signed our mm-hmm. initials and blood. Yeah, and Geffen was, was cool with that. No, they were. I, I actually have it somewhere. I have it here somewhere in a Flipside magazine. <laughs> uh, uh, where the nymphs are on the cover of Flipside magazine, and it's a letter from Warner Brothers to Geffen because I guess they used Warner Brothers. Uh, uh, lawyers, or something, that's a and they were like, Please, in the oh, okay, teachers, gotcha, gotcha. Do Not have our artists sign in blood because blood only looks good for a little while and then it looks like dog shit. So, like, that was them thinking that it's they were
0: funny, cool, that's funny. That's just- the problem they had with it is that the legality of it that's so fucking corporate America that they're always thinking about the fucking yeah. bottom line and the logistics.
3: I know. Well, that's kind of why we did it. You know, we were very. I'm very influenced by the Sex Pistols. I even had the same guy produce the Nymphs. You know, Bill Price. He produced Nevermind the Bollocks. Yeah. When they asked me, and I knew that those guys could not play, and he made them sound fantastic. And I'm like, my guys can play. So what record will I get? You know, I knew it would be good. I also was afraid because I knew we're a punk rock band, and I was like, you know, I had a meeting with Roy Thomas Baker. What a gentleman english gentleman super nice guy but he produced queen but like come on i i knew where my band was not queen i knew my guitar player was not brian may and fucking hell i know i'm not freddie mercury so like you know he is a genius and like at this point now at my age now i could do a record with Roy thomas baker but not my first record i didn't even want to go there i was just so enamored and and glad that i got to meet the guy and shake his hand and like wow, you know, we did some demos with him at, at Wessex Studio in London. But um, I just, I needed more, I think. I needed somebody that could take us further. He just records, like, where you're at. And Queen were just that good of musicians. You know, all of them have master's degrees, even before Queen.
0: Shoot, it sounds like bad wow. religion, man. All those yeah, dudes like, are just right. cats, too. To all
3: God, yeah, yeah, I know all the guys. He's a lawyer, right. Um, so...
0: Let me move on to this then. I also read several different accounts from different clubs, different situations about you almost getting arrested for performing a sex act on stage. Oh, boy. I don't know what's true of that because, once again, it's the fucking <laughs> X-Files. I've got to cipher through all that, these different that, accounts. That re- hey, hey, hey Nick, that re- Nick, that response sounded, uh, I
1: think the response that Inger gave uh, pretty much... Uh, And the world
0: will never know All right, we'll leave that a mystery Okay, um The first video for Sad and Damn I heard that MTV booted the video Because you actually were spitting out live maggots But then you said in another interview That they actually had a problem with the train track scene So why was that video banned?
3: Um, from the maggots And the poppies the, The poppies and the cocaine The scene when it snows um, on all the poppies, it was like obvious, um, mm-hmm. obviously like heroin and cocaine. That was like supposed to be a heroin and cocaine. And I was like, they'll never catch it. It's just a little girl falling asleep on a hill, but they caught it. So there was a lot of drug references. Mm. In that,
0: good in enough that, for the Wizard of Oz. You think MTV would allow it to go.
3: I know.
0: That's pretty funny. Yeah, good point, right. man. Good look, point, man. Look,
3: and then Marilyn Manson came with videos that were like Thirty-five thousand times more shocking than anything i Oh yeah, I've ever done. and Trent Reznor. My shit was very subtle. it oh, yeah. shit was very obvious.
0: I um feud with Courtney Love. Is that a thing or? Um no, she just used to diss me a lot in the press because she was jealous or whatever.
3: You know, she can barely play guitar, and I don't want to. You know, she sings in her style and her anger, but you know, mm-hmm. and I and I think Hall are great. You know, they they have their place in rock and roll. But she's just kind of like, just like um, sour grapes all the time, you know, and either she would say all this nasty shit in interviews, even her very famous Vanity Fair in interview, for no reason, she's talking about L7, and then right in the middle of her dissing L7, she says, and Inger Laurie is despicable, and then, you know, she goes to something else because her brain yeah. just bounces all over the place. And I don't know if it's too much drugs or what, but she's a wacky one. Um, i got to give her props because I do see her pulling her life together. I see her at AA meetings around and, you know, there's a special
0: group for musicians. It's
3: it's not an AA meeting, you know. um, She's really doing better. So, so like, you know.
0: Did you have any kind of relationship with her as far as friend-wise? Or was she just somebody you knew through the industry and that's how all that happened?
3: It's kind of a long story, but... Let me see if I can make it short. Um, She called me out of the blue, and I don't know how she got my phone number, and she was really pushy to be my best friend. She was saying things like...
0: And this was after Cobain died?
2: No, no, this is way before she even met him.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Oh, I get it. I get it. Okay,
2: guys, I totally hate to interrupt, but we've got to play this song because it's freaking amazing. This is Hate in My Heart.
0: Alrighty, we're back. Hopefully, the listeners got what I got out of that the haunting vocals. And we're still here with the haunting vocals of Inger Lori. Inger, um, I wrote you, and something that's been bugging me is I kept reading about your documentary, um, Hooked yeah. on a Fill in. And I, this goes back 10, 12 years. I've been, you know, these articles yes. that I resource. Did it ever come
3: yeah,
0: yeah. out? Is um, it still in no. the process? Tell me about that.
3: No. Well, the guy's got a lot of footage. I just was, like I told you, I was newly sober and I was really, I just was really freaked out about being on camera and he was doing like close-ups of me with absolutely no makeup on and making me like dance around and I just like felt weird. I just wasn't ready for it. You know, he has all that footage and I'm sure it'll come out one day, but um, and it was really nice. Just Henry's in it a bunch of times talking about the whole story from beginning to end and He's really cool because he's very deadpan and very intelligent and Henry's very straightforward. So, you know, when he tells my story, it sounds a lot more real than some crazy artist chick that was raped when she was 11 going off about how she hates the industry or something. You know, I always end up looking wacky when I tell my story. So that was the good thing about that documentary. Henry was in it and he was talking a lot and, really telling about it was a lot of footage so it's still there and I hope it does come out someday maybe I could finish up doing that stuff I was just so not ready because like off stage I'm really shy I get weirded out by all that stuff and um and I was very it was very stripped like I had no makeup on and it was just me and I just I didn't know how to be me yet because I wasn't like comfortable in my sober body I didn't know
4: I didn't know who I was
2: you know, mm-hmm. I was just
3: like, who am I without feathers and white makeup and red lipstick and, you know, without a mic in my hand? Who the fuck am I? And I had to figure that out. It took a little bit.
0: So during those years, did you feel like you were playing a role and you kind of lost yourself?
3: Oh, yeah, totally. I, I was really lost. I was. I used to think, I'm just going to change my name and move to France. How long ago? Like, how could I do that? I, my grandfather died and left me a little inheritance, and I was trying to figure out. No, I'll go to France and I'll wear a black and white striped shirt and a beret and I'll sit under an env- um, um I'll sit under a. What the fuck? I'm having brain
1: freeze right Cypher now. Cypress tree? Uh, sit under like the. Sit on the Eiffel Tower? or?
3: Umbrella. Umbrella. You know, the. Umbrella, or? okay. Cafe. <laughs> oh, got Sorry, you, got you. Yeah, Southward
1: Cafe. Don't
3: do drugs. You get brain damage. That's proof, right there. <laughs>
0: Dude, I'm right there with you. You don't know how many times I told D, I just want to fucking change my phone number and disappear sometimes. It's just so much, man. I totally get it. All right, so let's move away from the documentary, that documentary, and talk about the epic series because actually it was crazy because I had booked you to come on the show. I booked Anita Sparks to come on the show, not knowing you guys even knew each other. Then you put a picture up of you and Iggy Pop. from this punk epics, this epic series, this punk documentary. And I love documentaries to start with. And oh, yeah. then Danita was on the panel when I watched the YouTube. They had some panel clips from it. And I was like, man, this 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 community is so circular because you always run into the same people. Yeah. I was actually surprised. You know, I was thinking, man, like... Inger should be in this movie. Uh, the guys from Gang Green should be in this movie. Mike Muir from Suicidal. Like, I felt like it was only four episodes. I felt like there were so many people missing from that series, they could have done a lot more with it.
3: Well, I think it was, like, the history
0: of punk. Right, but how are you going to have the history without you, without Gang Green, my God, without yeah. um, Dave Smalley, without Mike Muir? Moore. I mean, there were so many people that they could have added to that, I felt like. Um, oh, my God, yeah. They could have made it 12 episodes easily. Yeah,
3: maybe they will. Who knows? I don't know. You know, it, um, all my friends were good. good to see Um, It was great for me to meet Johnny Rotten. You know, we spoke about Bill Price. And he's like, oh, Bill Price is such a great guy. And he got like wistful. And I was like, oh, my God, John Lydon is like sensitive because <laughs> he died. You know, wow. or the guy that did the pistols, Bill yeah. Price. And he was like, "Oh, yep. what a nice chap he was!" And he got tears in his eyes. And I'm like, "Oh my God, John Lydon is a sweetheart. <laughs> I just love him." And he was just, yeah. You know, if I don't know if you saw a lot of the stuff, he was screaming at um, Marky Ramon. Yeah. Oh him. yeah.
1: We, oh yeah. And then
3: Marky said, "If wasn't for the Sex Pistols, you'd be selling fish and chips or
4: something."
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know it was really bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that is. Crazy. It was amazing. That
1: it was. It was one of those things where you're sitting there watching these legends go at it, and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, do they really realize how influential they they continue to be and were to the to music, oh, my not just the punk community, to music?" And, and yeah. they're arguing.
3: <laughs>
4: I know, it and
3: we Yeah, when he came back and he called Mark Wiggy because he does wear a wig. He's like, "Okay, Wiggy," yeah, and he said, "You look like a stupid heavy metal something or other." <laughs> was oh, like, I was like, goodness. "Holy!" I, the- I was like, "This is a very I- important punk." I knew it was an important moment in punk rock, and I was very, very glad and honored to be in the room yeah. to watch that shit go down. <laughs> Henry, the best, the right. best was, I Henry, Henry Henry Rollins
1: was, like was the best, Henry, Henry was the best, he, yeah, he was like, this is probably, even when Jahani turned around and said some stuff to him, and Henry was like, okay, dude, gotcha. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, because he loved John
3: Lyons, so, much. Henry could have fucking pounded him into the ground, but he loves the sex yeah. whistle, so he just sat there, and he turned red, and then, um. He said, yeah, you called us a bunch of rich kids. And then uh, John Lyon said, that's because you're boring.
4: You're boring. boring."
3: (laughs) And then he said, pink flag, white flag, black (laughs) flag. Boring.
0: Yeah, I saw that, man. That was amazing. Okay, let's finish up with this. Because I, sure. I don't want to cut you short, but we've got to get out of here. You said you're working on a movie, right?
4: Right,
3: with Denise Richards, Charlie Sheen's ex. So that's oh, gonna be. Oh my
0: God, I remember her.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. <sighs> Black
1: man's Kryptonite.
3: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say.
0: <laughs> is there anything she you can tell us about it, or is it all kind of like still secretive? Oh,
3: it's really—it's a great movie. It's called. Um, 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 um. How do you pronounce the name? It's a woman's name. Hold on. Um. Galina. G. A. L. I. N. A. I should ah, know that, okay. but I didn't. And um, Denise Richards plays Galina, who's the head, the lead actress. She's the lead actress in the movie. On the second lead, I play Galita's best friend, Karen, and I get to play the piano in the movie. I get to sing oh, in the movie. I get to be nice. you know. Nice. And and it's by um. Oscar winning director, which just makes it scary. The people that did um, The Notebook and Alpha Dog, and Nick Cassavetes.
0: Alpha Dog's an intense yeah. movie.
1: Alpha Dog, woo! That movie.
3: Mm. Well, I have the same people, so, you know, it's really scary for me. I've, I've been in movies before Bad Influence and, you know, you know, Down and Out with the Dolls, a bunch of like little indie movies where I just played myself or a musician. So that was like no, a no-brainer. But this time I'm playing a Beverly Hills matron who's really rich, who has two teenage children. And it goes like through our life from when me and Galena, me and Denise Richards, we go back to when we're 20 years old, when we're 30 years old, when we're in our late 40s. We play all that. And it's, it's a wow. lot of acting. And I don't, you know, I, I have been going to my friends that are actors. And actually, I've been talking to Henry a lot. Because he's been in a lot of shit, you know. And it yeah, was interesting,
0: too, because I saw you were in some movies in the 90s, and I was actually going to ask you if that was something you drifted away from or if you were still interested in acting. But I guess that kind of answers my question.
3: Well, um, I'm not really that big on it, but... You know, this role, when they came to me, it was written for me. And she's like, this is what you should be doing now in your life. Like, you should be acting. and Then you could do it forever. You can do it when you're 60, 70, 80. I'm like, yeah, but, like, this is a huge role. She gave me the script. And in the middle of the script, they're at a party. And some girl with um, red hair walks by. And one of her extensions falls out. And one of the partygoers takes a, a fireplace poker and picks it up. And he's like, did you lose this? And she's just in the movie for a second. It's for comedic, whatever. And it says says, redhead walks by, uh, redhead uh, hair extension falls out of head. So it was just that short little thing. And when she gave me the script, she goes, did you like your part? And I said, yeah, I'm the redhead that just walks through, right? She's like, no, dumbass, you're Karen. And I'm like, wait, Karen is the best friend of the star. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, that's 87 pages of dialogue. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> she's like, do you <laughs> trust me? And I, I do trust her because she used to be in a band. um, Zan Cassavetes, Nick Cassavetes' brother. And she's the one that came to get me. And she's like, I promise you, we'll give you the best makeup. I will walk you through every fucking scene. And her parents are very famous actors. You know, John Cassavetes. And the woman that played um, Jenna Rollins, the woman that played the, the woman in The Notebook, that's her real mom. Huh.
1: Okay. Is, that the, is so, that the same Cassavetes from The Strokes? The, is that, uh, isn't there a Cassavetes in The Strokes, the band The Strokes? Oh, or is that a different oh. last name?
3: No. Because I know he came different. from a
1: – yeah. It might Almost, be Cassavetes.
3: They're all privileged I, kids in The Strokes. They're all rich yes. the kids. Yeah. I mean, you know, more power to them. I wish I was one too, but, you know – makes it you makes it worth more when you come out here with nothing from new jersey and you know nobody and you i just love the underdog i, I just kind of uh, it for me and what i've been through i guess i thrive on being the underdog instead I'm going to fucking show them. And uh, I mean, that was just always my MO. I'm going to show them. And I don't know who them was, but I had to show them.
0: I mean, there's a lot of drive. You know, somebody put something up. Actually, it was Marianna Adele put this thing up of like the traits of successful people. And I have all those traits except for doesn't hold grudges. And I was like, oh no, I hold fucking grudges. They motivate me. So I could like throw the shit in their face and go, yeah, you said I couldn't do this. Now look at me. So well, I have yeah, all those traits except for that one. Yes, it, I'm it motivated, by motivated by that shit. All right, listen, <laughs> Inger, you are a fucking delight. I could talk to you until you so midnight, but Odell's got to go. I got to go. We will definitely have you back because we we didn't even get to talk about your art, and I know you wanted to talk about it. So I apologize. Sure, whenever. Tell everybody where we can chef. find you online. Um, what you have coming up? Give us any kind of information um, of how we can well, find well, all um, things um, in
3: yeah, I was on Facebook as Inger Laurie, and I'm just now moving to Instagram because I, I got 5,000 friends, and I know I hate that you can't add more. It's really annoying.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> weird that they would even put that limitation on there. MySpace. I mean, that Tila Tequila person got famous because she was like the first right? person to get a million friends on MySpace. She just sat there all day and friend, and she just got famous for having friends on MySpace. MySpace right. would let you have unlimited, and if Facebook comes in, Zuckerberg's like, nope, dude, nobody needs more than 5,000 friends. The lawgiver has That's not true. given down the mountain, and yeah, it's fucked up. Well,
3: obviously, he must have been a nerd and had no friends if he thinks that everyone could only have 5,000.
0: Well, I mean, he started Facebook to meet women in college. That's how Facebook, <laughs> at the inception of Facebook, was a site where he found all the beautiful women and added them to this mm-hmm. college social networking site right. so he can meet girls. So, yeah, I think it's well, a pretty safe bet that Zuckerberg yeah. didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, my God. He is the richest nerd on the planet.
0: Besides Bill Gates. Is Bill Gates still alive? Didn't he uh, die no. recently? Oh, yeah. yeah he no, he's still there. He's right. Oh, I was well, thinking great. of the Apple dude. Steve Jobs. I oh, think yeah, he's you're thinking boy. of uh, that?
1: Oh, yeah, he's he's Steve, died, Job, Steve Jobs has been there. Yeah. hi
0: right, tell everybody where we can find it. We're going down the rabbit hole again, Inger. I should just talk okay. to you online.
3: Yep, it's just um, <laughs> Inger Laurie at Facebook. Or if you know, if you want to send a letter, IngerLaurie at gmail.com.
0: Right on. And is there anything coming up you could talk about? You got any art showings coming up or anything like that?
3: No, I'm just going crazy memorizing lines for this movie because it shoots in like less than 28 days. So that's what I've been doing right now. Whoa. I am doing art. But, and I don't know when it's gonna be for, but I'm doing a lot of really beautiful, um, like these metallic watercolors. I'm doing them on black paper. It looks really intense. And um, uh, Dave Navarro was over the other day and I was showing it to Dave and he's like, This is so tight. This is like, looks like a tattoo. You should be a tattoo artist. I said, Dave, get me somebody that I can uh, understudy or, yeah. So, no, um, he was just saying that it looked my, like I'm so, and it shows you my uptightness. You know, a lot of people, they paint and they just throw their colors down like Jackson Pollock and whatever it looks like. They, they're just free. I'm so not free with my art. And he's right. They all look like tattoos That whatever I draw. It's very precise. There's a big line going around them. And, and they could all be tattoo flash, all of them. They're very cartoonish, the things that I do.
0: Man, so, I need I to see some be- of that. You have right, so much right. to offer the world, man. You need to be out there um, more. <laughs> you're so you know, I'm trying
3: to like. This is going to be the year I worked the hardest for sure. Like I didn't know if I could do the movie. I was like, oh, I don't know. This is a lot. Like I said, I mean, it's only been a few years since I've been sober, and they say like up to five years, you're like still new. And like I said, I just you know, you're it's like new feet. Actually, I, I, all the time I trip because I'm not used to walking sober. I'm just used to walking high 24-7.
0: What we used to call back in the day, high-stepping.
3: Right! (laughs) (laughs) So, But now I have to be like, you know, and I like it so much more. I thought I was going to hate it. I'm much more creative, much more energy. I laugh and enjoy life so much more. But I have to say, I was a suicidal teen, and if I didn't have those drugs, I never would have made it through that period of time. So it helps me when it helps me. And then I started getting lots
0: of problems. <laughs> you know, right. like, jail well, time yeah. and stuff. I would love to talk to you all night. We've got to get out of here. I want to thank you for calling in. We'll definitely have you back. Yeah, this is probably so one of the easiest it awesome. shows. It's been really fun, shows. you
3: guys. Thanks for the good questions and fun time.
0: All righty. We'll talk oh, to thank you thank soon. All righty, okay, guys. adios, people. We are out of here. Bye. We'll be back next week with our yeah. Women Who Rock episode. And Odell May looking insane, looking crazy, man. April showers brings May flowers of power. That's how I should like. show Oh, there it is. Of power, like That's Led Zeppelin song, flower. "Bands and Flowers." Whatever. All right, we're out <laughs> getting stupid. We're out of here, guys. Bye. <laughs> Good night.
1: Bye. Peace.